Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. And we are back to the rest of the sermon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Miss Nikki, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good. Really quickly, give me your number one favorite thing about summer. Go. My fa- um, I'm here for all the fruit. I Ooh, am a watermelon. Fruit. Love it. Tomatoes. And yes, tomatoes are a fruit. I know. Don't give me that weirdness. They are. But you give me a tomato, you give me watermelon. Love it. I, I'm, I'm well, I grew up in Kennet. I get it all day long. Neelaville. What, what, yeah. what is your least favorite thing about summer? Um, I'm redheaded. I'm a ginger. I love the sun. <laughs> um, the sun in general. Sun, yeah. <laughs> I know that's but I love summer. I feel like my soul was meant for tropics. My skin's like (laughs) It's funny, it's kinda like there's this movie, um, Something Wicked This Way Comes, but like this guy comes into town and he curses people by giving them what they desire. Example, (gasps) this woman desires beauty, but she's cursed with blindness. Oh, nice. So she's beautiful, but she can't see herself, which reveals that she's vain. But like you're like, I love summer. I love summer. My skin hates the sun. Hates it. That's awesome. Hates it. I think my number one thing about summer with our family has been that the kids are out of school. Oh. Like, we're not in that grind yeah. of a schedule that I just despise. I the number one thing I despise, hands down, bar none, mosquitoes. I knew that was coming. Ticks, chiggers. I mean, the whole get that out of here, man. I dude, if there is a mosquito within a country mile, I am getting bit. Are you I mean, are, mul- multiple times. Is your blood type O? Because I've read somewhere that like O I, blood types I've are heard more, that too. I don't yeah. know what my blood type, but That's I'm talking, funny. I will get bit and get bit multiple times. Mm, awesome. So yes, but hey guys, summer is quickly approaching. And so <laughs> we're super excited about that. We are continuing in our May We Honor series. We've got some exciting stuff coming up, but Miss Nick, I think, do you have some questions? I do. I awesome. do. Um, in regards to this week's sermon or just questions? Questions in general. Hopefully, um, last week I loved. We talked about canical, non-canical. Right. I love it. So um, I want to ask this one at the top of it, but I think the others toward the end will Great. kind of make a little more sense. Good. So we are talking about money this week. Mm. Yeah. So dun, there you dun, go. Dun. Um, one question that was posed yeah. is, um, why does it matter to the non-believer if a church in my neighborhood or town? close. And Mm. after kind of thinking on that, I looked up some research and according to a Gallup poll in 1937, which has been a minute, been a hot minute, 73% of Americans belonged to a church. Oh yeah. In 2020, less than half Americans at 47% belonged to a church and claimed a church membership. And and what's interesting is there's this category that's growing called the nuns, N-O-N-E, where Mm. people say, they are Christian, but they don't claim like a church or they're, they're just called the nuns. They, wow. they don't know if, yeah, so those are shocking statements. I think um, I love the question because mm-hmm. let me preface it with this. I'll never forget hearing Francis Chan say, when I look in the New Testament and I see these churches and what they're doing for the kingdom of God, 
that tells me that the community that my church is in should notice if we ever close our doors, is what Francis Chan said. Yeah. Like, like does would the city of Popper Bluff miss a beat or would people even recognize if Westside closed its doors? You know, I think that's a great question yeah. to ask. To the non-believer, I think it's less about a financial question, actually, even though it is about money. But then I think that they would be surprised at a church that is operating and doing things, you know, that they should be doing, whether it's taking care of people mm-hmm. or this, that, and the other. Um, I think a non-believer should be grieved by that just because that's a sign that the that the community in general is not doing well, yeah. number one. Yeah. So just from a socioeconomic standard, yeah. you should go, uh-oh, that's right. not good because if that church is made up of individuals in the community and those individuals in the community can't keep the church's doors open, then that means that other businesses and things are getting ready to suffer major. So that's number one, just a socioeconomic background. Number two, I think that it should affect them in the sense that if they were to pause and look at what that church was actually maybe doing in the community. Mm -hmm. So people get very surprised at, you know, when overdoses or things happen, guess who's taking meals to the house? Yeah. Guess where the funeral is? Guess who, like... The, the church has quietly done these things for mm-hmm. so long that I think people forget that that they take place there. And, yeah. and, and even from a third standpoint, churches in, in predominantly African-American communities or in urban environments are huge hubs for civil justice mm-hmm. or voting poll booths yep. or those types of things. So I think from a non-believer standard, just on the flat surface, they should be concerned because that's not good for my community. No. If if that institution is closing, my community is greatly being affected. But number two, I think they should realize, oh man, these are individuals. Yeah. These are there's something going on with people here. Mm-hmm. And I think non-believers sometimes get confused and think that the church is you know, representative of a place and they forget it's individuals, man. It's it's real people. So love the question. Yeah. Well, hearing you say that, thinking of our own small Butler County area. Yeah. um, I grew up in Neelaville. I can tell you the churches you vote in, depending on where you live (laughs) at. Yep. um, And then how many churches support local food ministries. Oh, man. Um, And that is a huge thing. I've been in several um, charitable organizations. I've sat on a few boards and it is the churches that do things like backpack programs, uh, food pantries. And, and it would, I was just getting ready to say, I know two churches, um, that do after school food programs. Mm -hmm. That's actually through the school, but the school utilizes them in the town that they're in. And so then there's after school tutoring. There's, I mean, goodness gracious, there's all that stuff. It's not just even the financial part. For sure. It's the people, the volunteers that do some of these things that will be hugely, hugely impacted. So speaking of that, we're in honor Honor. and, you know, primarily we're in Luke 19. You'll read the verses here in a minute. Mm -hmm. But just sort of the thrust this week was God talks a lot about honor. And every time he talks about honor, there's some really explicit verses that God says, hey, if you really want to honor me, you do it with your wealth, with your money. And so why don't you read the verses? We're in Luke 19, 1 through 10, and we'll just jump in. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but not on account of the crowd could he not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of the man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I love this one. And we're going to your house today. <laughs> That's all I could think of all week so in, in preparation. And so we did a little bit of work before we got to the story of Zacchaeus. And I, I think I can just wrap it up very simply like this. God talks a lot about money. The Bible talks a lot about money, mm-hmm. but not in the way that you would think that it does if you're a non-believer or somebody who's very skeptical of Christianity. The Bible talks a lot about money because the Bible says that money is a window into our hearts, okay? So the way that the IRS sometimes investigates someone, it's all the phrase is always follow the money. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is Al Capone, the famous yeah. gangster, was actually not a, he was he was he wasn't arrested on a single violent charge no. which is crazy to think about because the man was extremely violent yeah. he was arrested on racketeering and embezzlement because they quote unquote followed the yeah. money and so we said that Jesus says in Matthew 6 where your treasure is that's where your heart will be also and we use the illustration that money is like an MRI machine mm-hmm. that an MRI machine can look inside your body and what Jesus is saying is that's what money does, is it exposes your heart. Now, I think that's why we don't like talking about oh, money. Oh, absolutely. It's we, we try to pose it as, oh, it's emotion, but it's constantly saying, why? Why is it emotional? Why is it this? And it's because you can't hide. Yeah. You know, like it's exposing. Socially, there, there was a time where you were taught proper etiquette was to not discuss financial matters and things like that. And this, you also weren't supposed to discuss politics and religion. Those are the three big no-nos. Well, here you go. Welcome to the Bible as a Christian. (laughs) You're going to talk about all three of them. Yes. And and here's the reason why we said that is because God says, honor honor me with your wealth in Proverbs 3. Mm -hmm. And then we said, we need to be careful because there's this fake kind of honor. In Matthew 15, Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So then that poses the question of, okay, how can I know that I'm actually honoring the Lord from a pure heart? Right. Enter money. Yeah. And the summarizing sentence that we said even all the way back in our God's Money series was, what we believe about the good news of Jesus is revealed in how we behave with money. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, I like that sentence because it doesn't separate the financial and theological. Right. It doesn't go, okay, this is an area in my life that I just, quote, need to get under control 
or need to give more or blah, blah, blah. And then here's the God category in my life. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I can see into your heart by how you handle money in that sense. And so the big idea was when you honor God with the most valuable thing you have, you reveal that God is most valuable. And so like if money is this, and here's the thing, Nikki, like I heard a guy say one time, you know, everybody who always says money can't buy happiness didn't have any money. Okay. You know, basically what they're saying is I've never heard one someone say money can't buy happiness and they weren't holding big bags right. of cash looking sad. Can't be sad on a jet ski. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's funny. But the weird thing is, and we talked about this, is money has a very powerful effect on us. It's emotion. It's tied to our emotions, whether we yeah. admit it or not, and that's scary. But it's not just our emotions. Like, think about it. Money can actually get you a little bit of contentment, Mm -hmm. a little bit of power. Peace. (laughs) Like, man, that's, gosh, that's like a loaded gun, man. But the reason why the Bible talks about it, money's not evil. The love of money's evil, right? And it's because that lie that money can satisfy either content, what we just talked about, is so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful with money, man. So that's just a quick recap of kind of what, why we were talking about money and sort of everything like that. So So. let's get into the actual verse because, because Zacchaeus, like we all sang the song and we all, (laughs) because it does say, Hey, he was small in stature. He had to climb up in the tree. Sure. Um, I'm doing everything in my power not to sing it to the (laughs) listeners. I will save your ears from that. I know. But Zacchaeus was not someone Jesus should have wanted to have spent time with. Yeah, I think this is a big, and that's why we spent a lot of time in, so Luke's gospel is really focused on money Yeah. out of any of the other gospels by like two times the amount, okay, Luke talks about money. You mentioned to a new believer where to start reading. Yeah. Um, I have always told new believers because the way Luke handles things in a chronological order, it's love easy it. to read and yep. money coming into this. Love it. Absolutely. I love the way he handles this. But what's interesting is in like Luke 12, 16, 18, Jesus is encountering these people and it's about money, mm-hmm. but the people are never named. No. So it's like the rich fool, the rich man the rich ruler. And it's constantly getting turned up and more and more of a climax. And then Jesus says in Luke 18, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. So it's like this climax of a moment. Nobody is understanding Jesus and money. Nobody is. And then boom, Luke 19, it's not just a chief tax collector who is rich. Right. We get his name. Right. Zacchaeus. So no one else is named, but Zacchaeus is. And we said that in this culture, a name was synonymous with honor. Mm -hmm. That's why you were the son of, or the daughter of, or, you know, you were known by your trade. And so for Zacchaeus's name to be recorded in all of scripture is massively significant. Mm -hmm. It shows us that he actually did grasp the concept of Jesus and money. But the description that we had of what you were saying is two descriptions, chief tax collector, Mm -hmm. and then very rich. Okay. So we did a little bit of work, but the idea of being a tax collector was the most, like 
imagine if imagine if the United States got invaded by Russia, okay? Mm-hmm. God forbid, I'm just I'm just right. using it as an example, folks. Okay. Imagine that Russia invaded the United States and they conquered us mm-hmm. and they were going to collect money and taxes from us. And you as an American citizen said, you know what? I'm just going to work for the Russians. Right. Collect money off the backs of my family and friends and and I'm going to charge them a little extra and I'm going to live off of the top. Like how despised would would you be for selling out your country and like all of that stuff? That is only a glimpse into who Zacchaeus is seeing culturally. It's even so bad we talked about the Pharisee praying and saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like evildoers, adulterers, or this tax collector. Like when people are praying and thanking God, they're not you. That's not good. (laughs) How bad are you? You're not doing good in life, you know, but then, and, and it's crazy. The Bible is so alive to me. And the fact that I get to study it week in and week out and then teach it. But it says in the text that Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. Yeah. That the crowd's pressing in, right? But think about it. The Bible also says that he couldn't see Jesus because he was small in stature. Mm -hmm. Then it says, on account of the crowd. Yeah. Well, if you're standing in a parade and you notice that you're in front of Mm -hmm. maybe a family that can't see, well, any decent human's going to go, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry, guys. Here, step up here. You guys can't see. Most scholars believe that the crowd was keeping Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus because they didn't feel Zacchaeus deserved to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's a tax collector. Get this guy out of here. They didn't like him. I mean, pure and simple, they they despised this man. Yes. And then Jesus is like, hey, homie, I'm coming to your pad tonight. Which is like, that's grace. Yeah. That, That is the thrust. I even said Sunday that the whole story hinges on and Jesus looked up. Yes. Like he looked up in the sycamore tree and saw Zacchaeus and he doesn't ask. He doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, can I come to your house? He says, Zacchaeus, I must stay. And again, we're talking about honor. Honor is the act of holding people in positions in high value. Well, I mean, the president's coming to your house. You're going to dust all the weird stuff and clean all the things. Huge. And for Jesus to roll into town and say, hey, dude, I see you up there. I'm coming to your place. It's a big, big point of honor. It It was so now the crowd is like, wait. Zacchaeus gets to host Jesus because it wasn't just honorable for Jesus. It was a place of honor for Zacchaeus to have Jesus at his house. And so I just love the fact that God's grace doesn't move away from the messy. Mm -hmm. It moves towards it. These people were trying to keep Zacchaeus from Jesus and Jesus is like, uh-uh, man, this is why I came. Well, and let's talk about the people, because Jericho wasn't exactly, you know, Brosley or Kulin. <laughs> it wasn't sure. a teeny tiny town. Yeah. This was a major trade hub. Yeah, absolutely. This was a point of money and Commerce. wealth and prominence. Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't like there was four people pushing Zacchaeus away no. saying no. This was a huge crowd in yes. a very populated area. And that's why Zacchaeus is able to be so rich because 
to travel on these roads. It's just like we have today, a toll booth or mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. And so people are paying all of these taxes to sell these goods and to do this stuff. And Zacchaeus is just taxing people and taxing people. He's wealthy. He's despised. And well, he's the boss of the tax people, He's the too. boss, so man, he's, the chief. He's, he's the, the chief. And then Jesus comes, and then there's this incredible moment where it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So here's what's interesting, and I didn't actually have time to get into this in the sermon. In the Law of Moses in the book of Exodus if you are tried or caught defrauding, you are supposed to give double Mm. back. But Zacchaeus doesn't give double. Zacchaeus gives fourfold. So now I want to draw the implication here on something. We're talking about money, and we'll get into the principles here. Oftentimes, I meet people who want to talk about the bare minimum of generosity. We'll get there. You know, and giving and the baseline and this, that, and the other. I think if you're a new Christian and you're starting out, we can maybe talk some 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 percentages, this, that, and the other. What I see here is a man who was captured by grace mm-hmm. and he's going above yeah. what the law required. It's this level of generosity. And then Jesus says, behold, salvation's come to this house. And it's important to know, salvation didn't come to the house because Zacchaeus gave the possessions away. Zacchaeus experienced the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And because of that, of God's generosity, now Zacchaeus is going to be generous. And so that's the gospel motivation there, which is super important. I love that. But we got into some principles. Walk through some of these principles in the story. So, yeah, we got into these, and these were absolutely um, not new sure, in a lot of ways, but new. So the principles from the story, Zacchaeus's desire to honor Jesus is the response of Jesus honoring Zacchaeus. Yeah, man, that's the gospel... God makes the first moves, guys. When you said that, I have that in caps in my notes. Like, God always makes the first move. Yes. I can look back, and I think depending on your walk with Christ and Mm. where you are, you can look back and see, oh, I thought that was me. Silly. (laughs) That was not me. Right. You know, I mean, and that takes time. So for the new believers, give it a minute. Look back last week. But God blesses obedience in this. Oh, man. That's... Listen, I think if there's anything that I could get anyone to understand, it is the reason why God talks about money and finances and says, you know, give me, you know, that that verse in Proverbs 3, Mm -hmm. verses 9 through 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What's God saying there? Well, A, it's not a prosperity gospel, but it, there's also it's not also not about a poverty gospel either. Right. I think the church gets trapped in these. Ugh. What God is saying is, I bless obedience, and if you trust me with this, you will have more than enough if you trust me in this. Yeah. And so that's significant, man. I agree. And then the second principle from the story is generosity is the gauge of your gratitude to God's grace. That's the big one for me is because, like, I think people, 
I think we like to think of ourselves as generous. Mm -hmm. I I don't know of anybody. I mean, I think people pride themselves in being very stingy and being very cheap, but that's a different conversation. But I think like, oh, I'm a generous person. Like, yeah. But when it comes to money, Mm -hmm. God's saying I can put a number to my generosity. Right. Like, and so for me, it's that gauge in the heart. Like there's no wiggle room. I just love the truth of God washing over going, if you are grateful for God's grace and salvation, then according to what I see in this story is that generosity is the gauge of that. I mean, that's a huge, huge deal. Huge deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that because it, it does speak from the heart and where your heart is going um, that we will claim. And then you reminded the world how Jesus's ministry was funded. And I, this was probably one of my favorites because I had thought about it, but I think we get so separate. Absolutely. From the concept of Jesus was then, we are now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And when you, working in a church world is very weird and different because there is a business aspect of it. 100%. But there's also the relationship and the heart issues. Yep. And you've got to somehow blend those. Absolutely. No question. And we see that in the ministry and life of Jesus. Yes. And so we said that Jesus's ministry was funded by that grateful generosity. And in Luke 8, 1 through 3, it says this, Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, that's the apostles, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons came out, and Joanna, the wife of Chus, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, and then here's the line, who provided for him, Jesus, Mm -hmm. out of their means. Yeah. So we like to think that Jesus, you know, fed people out of a kid's lunchable yeah. and he did do all of those things. But think about it, guys. His disciples had to stay the night somewhere. They had to eat food. They had, I mean, Jesus had a functioning ministry yeah. and people gave to it. Judas was in charge of the money, which, you know, probably a poor choice there, yeah. but God knew what he was doing right? in that sense. But The reason why it was important to discuss that is because, okay, if we can grasp that Jesus's ministry was funded by grateful generosity, and by the way, we always say this at Westside, ministry does not follow money. Money follows ministry. That's what I see here. So at Westside, we are not going to do things in hopes that they will be funded, We are doing things because the funds are there, because the ministry is there to take place. And so if you can grasp that concept, then you ask yourself this question. Well, what is the church? Well, the church is the continuation of Jesus's ministry. That's we push back darkness. We are uh, expanding the kingdom. We are, whether it be healing the sick, providing for the sick, doing all of those things. And so that's when we got a little bit personable in regards to like, hey, this is a challenge towards us as a church. Like why we're taking up this May We Honor offering. But we need to because we like to separate that because we can't see it or imagine it properly. 100%. We have the text there. I mean... Herod's household manager. Uh, dude, is, that's my favorite. 
Well, because I think of this, I have teenage kids and grown kids and over the years, and I remember my mom doing this for me, yeah. like throwing a 20 at me, don't tell your dad, <laughs> you know, that kind of little yeah. thing. And Herod's I know so trying many... to kill Jesus and he's secretly funding yeah, Jesus. Yeah, doesn't even <laughs> know it. Like, yes. hey, here's a little bit for, I'm going to buy their lunch today. Don't tell. I love it. It's so great because it I is know. practical that yes. we divorce it. Yeah. And well, that's old timey. I mean, it's not true. Sure. Money is as much of a financial issue, but it's also a theological one. 100%. And in that obedience, we are to tithe and give our first fruit. Yep. So let's get into some of these questions. Yeah, because, ask me some practical ones, man. Yeah. This is good. So someone asked what tithing was. Yep. So let's explain the difference between tithing and offering for yeah, the sure. people that don't know. Yeah, sure. So there's this scene in the Old Testament, um, and actually it predates the giving of the law. And so it's this scene, Mount Kizadek, and probably uh, it is definitely a pre-incarnate Jesus. Okay, so this is Jesus before the New Testament. Long story short, he prov- uh, Abraham provides some stuff for him. He provides some stuff for Abraham. And Abraham gives him a gift offering, mm-hmm. okay? And it's probably way more than just 10% of what Abraham owns. Then we get the law given by God uh, through the prophet Moses of the people of Israel. And a tithe is a tenth mm-hmm. of your produce or your goods you were to give at harvest time right off the top goes to the temple worship and to God's ministry. So a tithe means a tenth, Mm -hmm. and at a very basic translation, it means a tenth of your income or your goods off the top. Now, not after Uncle Sam and this, that, and the other. It's off the top goes um, directly to God. So that's a tithe. An offering was considered anything above and beyond that. And actually, when you look at a Old Testament household, because it's funny, Christians argue about like, well, we're under grace, and I'll talk about that in just a second, and we're not under law, and we're not required for blah, blah, blah. The average Jewish household actually probably gave close to 25% of their Mm. income because they had the tithe and then they would also give off of their spices Mm -hmm. and then the animals and then this, that, and the other. So a tithe is a tenth and an offering is anything above and beyond that. But the offering doesn't take away or replace your tithe. That's very important to understand. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to do this one-time gift of 500 shekels and and I'm not going to give my monthly 10 shekels. Right. It doesn't work that way. But then... We get into the New Testament. We get into the New Testament. And this is pretty significant where now there's grace. Mm -hmm. And I like to say it this way. Tim Keller says it this way. Jesus didn't tithe his blood. I love that. And here's what I mean by this. Jesus didn't do the bare minimum. Mm -mm. Okay. So do I think there needs to be wisdom in your giving? Yes, I do. I do think you need to sit down with a calculator and crunch numbers. I am not saying blind this, that. I am not saying that. But here's what I'm saying. I think you need to have a cross and a calculator. Mm. I think those are the two ways that Christians budget when it comes to giving. And, And really, Nick, here's what it boils down to. God is asking, is he a priority? Yeah. 
Well, and, 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 it should be a joyful thing. Yes, it shouldn't 100%, be a stressful thing. 100%. And what God is asking is, listen, your mortgage is a priority. Mm-hmm. Your light, all of these things are a priority. All God is asking is, am I a priority? And so what, what I like to say to get real practical is this. If you are newly married or a first-time Christian, I think a tenth is a great place to right. start. I think you can budget out. You can do some stuff. You can look at this. I think that if you've been a Christian for a long period of time and that is your bare minimum, I think your gauge is revealing that you're not very grateful for God's grace, okay? Yeah. And then also, I don't want to limit because for some people, a tenth is a cop-out. Right. That's not being generous. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's just what you said. It's about the joy aspect and is... God, a priority in my life. Well, where are you trusting? Oof. And I say that because I, I, and this is a concept, guys, I am talking to myself as much as I am talking to you. 100%. Um, money is tangible. Yep. We feel a power over it. Yep. Um, we control where we put it, how yep. we invest it, what we do with it. Yep. Do we give, why don't we give that to God? Yep, 100%. We give our kids to God. I'm the first one when my kids need something, I'm on my knees praying. Amen, and amen. But I don't always do that when it comes to my bank accounts. I'll never forget Roman. I think it was like his eighth birthday. And he'd got a little bit of cash at his birthday. And so we were talking about some stuff and he had some things that he wanted to buy. And so we had the three jars, the give, uh-huh. the save, and the live. Yep. Because we like to reverse it. We like to live, save, and then try to give or do something like that. But actually the Bible teaches give, save, and live right. in your life. Man, I'm telling you, it's a game changer when mm-hmm. you do that. But I told Roman, well, we got to put some in this first jar. And I just remember him looking at me so honest. And he said, but I don't want to put it in that jar. And I thought, you yep. know you know what? <laughs> 8, 18, 28, 38, 58, mm-hmm. same heart. Yep. Same concept, man. Like this is quote unquote mine, which is gets back to what we learned in God's money. Mm-hmm. It's called God's money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything's his. Everything's so, his. So, yeah. Any more practical questions? Um, okay. Is it, and this is probably one of my favorite ones, Yeah. because um, you hit on the, do I know if I'm tithing enough? That's a budget thing. Sure. Sit down, pray about it, do yes. the calculator, do the math. Um, does tithing time mean I don't have to tithe money? <laughs> I knew that one was going to come in, but it's a great, it's, it's one sure. of those practical ones. Yeah, I think, um, no, Jesus uses them separately. So time, talents, and treasure. Mm-hmm. So your time is a gift. The, uh, the treasure, the money that God's given you is a gift. And your talent of what you're capable of is a gift. Again, I get very weary right. or I, I get a little bit of an internal red flag when I, it sounds like people are trying to renegotiate right. the basis of what Jesus is saying. Um, man, but I like talk about that principle. Goodness gracious. I don't even think people, I don't think we even schedule our time no. to give unto the Lord. No. That's why Sunday is supposed to be the best the first day of the week. And we give that unto the Lord on the Sabbath day. And so, yeah, but no, that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Is it okay? to pray and ask God for money. Mm. And they prefaced it with not necessarily so I can become wealthy. No, yeah. But to ease financial burdens and stress, is that something? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't. 
when I hear that, I don't hear somebody asking to get my heart breaks when I hear that because mm-hmm. those are real prayers, man. Everybody's I think of the that. widow absolutely. The ch- every time. And so I would say, first and foremost, absolutely, for you to just beg and ask God, God, I am working, I'm going to school, I'm covering a night shift, and there is a formula shortage, and God, yeah. you have got to provide for my family. You've got to do it 100%. That's okay. In the same way, though, when you are asking God to provide for your family, he's provided you with an opportunity for him to provide for you, which is the concept of giving. Now, I am not telling you if you are a single mother who is going to nursing school during the day and shifts at night and you've got to, to not pay your mortgage because you gave to church. I am not saying that. What I am saying is, is at some point you have something to give unto God. And in that moment, will you trust God? Because listen, God can do more with your 10, 15, 20% than you can with your 90. Yep. And that's the facts, man. And I think of those in that moment when you are stressed financially and you yeah. are there, if you do belong to a church and you are, oh, if you have please. those upper room prayer people, please do not hide behind, I've got it, I'm fine, everything's nope. fine. That's why we exist, guys. Live in that community and seek out those people. I know my husband and I, we have had different, I mean, we've been married for 23 years. We've been through the financial gamut. Absolutely. And we've had those conversations with couples older and now couples younger of, hey, we've been where you are. This is, you know, and it does come live in that community and seek out those people. Humble yourselves to pray. Yeah. Have others to ask others to pray for you. Amen. Um, And you hit on it a little bit on the kind of like the last question. When it comes to navigating the rising expenses and mm. fuel prices and inflations and work's not there and yeah. this, that, and the other, am I okay to pause my tithing if it's stressing, if it is burdensome to my financial status? Yeah. Um, again, I think what that is is that's trying to find a balance mm-hmm. here. And Jesus tells a story. He's sitting in church, essentially, and he's watching people give and the way that they gave back then, there was these different amounts and these different things, and they made a certain amount of noise when you put it in. So yeah. if you gave a lot, I mean, it was just like you were at the Delta Fair. It just rang and rattled, and you won, you know. And and a widow comes in, and she gives a mite, which was nothing, like half a penny. And Jesus, by the way, God in the mm-hmm. flesh, pauses and goes, wait a minute. That's it. Yep. Do you see everyone in here gave out of their abundance? Jesus is saying they're giving off of the fluff. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not a priority. It's not painful for them. It's not a sacrifice for them. This woman has given out of her means. Yeah. I mean, Jesus says the word means, and the word means in the original language is life. Ooh. She gave out of her life. So question. Why did that get Jesus's attention? Because Jesus was going to give his life. Yeah. It's a reflection of the gospel. Yeah. And so if it's not sacrificial giving, it's always going to be sacrificial yeah. giving. That's what we need to understand. Yeah. It, yes. So even if you're making $175,000 a year, it still needs to be sacrificial yeah. giving. That element is never going to change. No. But again, 
I am in no way, shape, or form going to burden someone. Right. You know, in this sense, I will say this: we were the youngest of four. My dad was a preacher. Um, my mom was a secretary at a school. I mean, there were nights growing up where we ate hamburger helper Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday. I mean, it was hamburger helper and a loaf of bread yep. and some butter. And I remember a tire going out, braces, everybody needing this, that, or the other. And my mom and dad faithfully gave mm-hmm. to the local church. And every time that they gave on that Sunday, I kid you not, my dad would come back from a revival that week and say, something incredible happened. Mm-hmm. God did something amazing. So I'm just going to leave you with that level of evidence, you know, with that type of stuff. I think it's sacrificial giving. Abraham and Isaac. Man, right? I mean, if you're willing to give your kid, and we do, we give our children, we give our family, our marriages, our spouse, our money needs to follow. Yes, it's huge, man. needs to follow. Um, So some upcoming stuff. Another, um, you've got a pretty cool thing coming up when it comes into money. And I've got a good resource for people who want to know about. So stay tuned to some church announcements and um, our Facebook and this, that, and the other. But we might be having an incredible opportunity, not just to give you a fish, but to teach you how to fish, I if love you know that, that age-old parable. Yeah. And so um, the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University and some of those things might be coming available at Westside through the summer. So be sure to be on the lookout. That will be a very limited number on sign up. And please listen, you need to be committed for the summer. Yes. So you do not need to sign up. And while you're signing up, go, well, hey, we're going to miss this Tuesday, this Thursday. And you're like, well, you're going to be here for two, you know? Then it's not for you this year. But for those of you who are really wanting to get your finances in order, learn what God says about money, uh, be on the lookout for what we have. What resource do you have? Um, So Redeeming Money is Mm. a book for those who like to read by Paul David Tripp. Incredible. It it is a really great book. Um, and it gets into a, a little bit deeper into these topics of where your money needs to go, how it goes, and what it says, you know, biblically. Um, and we'll put that in the show notes uh, for you guys to go through and look. It really is a good resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got some exciting stuff coming up this Sunday. We are ending the May We Honor series. We are taking up the May We Honor offering, and hopefully you guys have been praying about that with your families, you and the Lord, just an opportunity for obedience is what that is, to practically apply a sermon. You know, it's funny, I hear people all the time be like, man, I love when you you do the application. Mm -hmm. At the end, Pastor, man, when you really, and you know, the Bible's hard to, to apply to my life, and then when it gets to money, literally the application is give and we're like uh i don't know if i can do that this week okay guys it's real easy you open the checkbook (laughs) sign your name at the bottom yes we can fill in like we'll fill in the amount no kidding we won't fill (laughs) in so that's this sunday but also we are learning about honoring authority Mm -hmm. and you are going to be hearing from the butler county sheriff's department Um, an officer from the Popper Bluff Police Department, and then an officer from the Highway Patrol as well. And so I'm going to be interviewing them, uh, those guys talking about Romans 13, honoring the government. It's all going down this Sunday Mm -hmm. at 10 a.m. at Westside. It'll be a great time, guys. We will have some fun stuff with the kids. Yes. Um, 
photo booth will be open. Like it's going to be a really good time. So if you've never experienced Westside and you're a little curious how we're going to tie police officers, honor, and the come Bible on. all together, come see it. It'll be great. Absolutely. We love you guys. Don't forget about our prayer ministry on Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30. Come check us out at 10 a.m. at Westside. Facebook Live at 10 a.m. You can check on our website at westsidepb.org. You can also give online. We love you guys, and never forget, it is all about Jesus. Blessings. Blessings.